0: One thing I often share with my team in Skyway is the idea that you're always closer than you think. At any moment, you can make a decision and perform at a high level as long as you commit and put in the work. We went from not even qualifying for the company trip in 2015 to winning the Silver Cup in 2016. We caught lightning in a bottle. The energy was electric, but it never would have happened had I given up. So I really learned that you are not your results. Our central region noble cause is to live the life of our dreams and inspire others to do the same. I became a manager for moments where other people blow away limitations and achieve great things. That's the voice of Josh Dix,
1: Cutco Vectors Skyway division manager headquartered in Illinois. Throughout his 13-year career with the company, Josh has had several moments of decision that led him to bigger and more significant achievements. Progress happened for Josh because he was always willing to make the decision to commit and work towards the next level in his life. The lesson in Josh's story is that you are always closer than you think. Josh's insights will help you with the inspiration and strategies for success in your business or in your life. I'm happy to introduce him to you all today This is Josh Dix. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector Experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I'm with Josh Dix today, who is the Skyway division manager in Cutco Vector. Josh has been with the company since 2008. He started in Wisconsin with Chris Naku. And Josh was going to school at University of Wisconsin at Whitewater. He ran a branch every summer, basically during college, four branch offices during his college years, and graduated in 2014 uh, with a degree in marketing. Josh's fourth branch that year was actually number three in the nation and he became a district manager the following year in 2015. 2016 was his first full year and he won the Silver Cup as the number one first full year manager in the company. He was promoted to lead the Skyway division in 2021. And Skyway includes part of the Chicago metro, part of a sliver of Northern Indiana, and most of the Southern part of Illinois. Josh has produced about $7 million in Cutco sales. And I'm excited to be able to introduce him to you here today. Josh Dix, welcome to the podcast.
0: Dan, thank you so much for having me.
1: Excellent. Glad to have you here. Let's start out by hearing how you started with Cutco back in 2008.
0: Talk about a blast from the past, right? So uh, I first started back in 2008. I was recommended by a friend of mine named Matt Jabowski. Matt, I hope you hear this someday. (laughs) We weren't even really that close of friends. We were more so acquaintances and... You know, I'm really glad that he recommended me, and then I got a phone call from receptionist at Vector. And I remember going home, and uh, after my interview and, and getting the job, and telling my parents, they're like, "Hey, how'd it go?" I was like, "I got the job." And then, you know, they're like, "That's great. What are you going to be doing?" And then, like, "Oh, I'm going to be, you know, selling knives." And they're like, "You're going to do what?" And it was really fascinating how fast, even just after training, how they saw me grow and develop, and they went from being like kind of skeptical to being some of my biggest fans. That's cool.
1: It's amazing how many people have that story of just going home and mom and dad questioning it and my parents were skeptical too. My mom just kind of laughed at me and just didn't think I could do something like this. And my dad was a, you know, he he worked with his hands and he was pretty much just interested in like what was my paycheck. And so when when the checks were big, he got fired up. And my mom was fired up when she saw Cutco. That's what helped her believe in it more. She saw that it was really good stuff. So, But uh, a lot of us have that similar parental story at the start. What were some of the experiences that came out during the early
0: days for you? Yeah, I had quite a few. One of which, the biggest experience that I had was just the exposure to personal growth. That wasn't something as an 18-year-old that necessarily me and my friends were talking about. It wasn't a topic of like, out on the lake, right? We weren't like, "Hey, you know, how are you growing yourself? How are you developing?" And that, I think, was maybe one of the most transformative things that I experienced my first year selling Cutco. Being 18 years old, trying to figure out like, where is my space in this, you know, in this blue orb that we call Earth, right? And what do I want to get out of life? And and being introduced to just the whole concept of, you know, it's not necessarily where you come from, what you do, but whom you become. That uh, really resonated with me. And my first experience, like as a summer, I really didn't light it up. So for those of you that newer reps, when I first started, I sold a whopping one thousand dollars in my fast start. (laughs) Yeah, right. So I had uh, it was my first weekend. I scheduled like fourteen appointments. I was ready to rock and roll, and uh, I ended up selling on ten of them. But it wasn't like big sales. There were like you know a trimmer here, uh, like a little piece here, and no sale. And then I went on a vacation right after that, and I remember coming back. And being able to sit down with my manager, Chris, and kind of map out a summer. And again, I had never in my previous jobs before that, I'd never gotten that from a manager, right? Like the only time I talked to my manager was when I did something wrong or like, you know, something was, but I'd never like actually had to sit down with somebody and say, hey, let's map out what your perfect summer looks like. Or, you know, let's talk about you taking the next step. And I found that so exhilarating and it really drew me in. To the culture, of the company, and then also Chris himself as, you know, at the time as my leader. Basically, I was your average rep. I would sell maybe a thousand bucks a week, kind of throughout the whole summer, and then our first, com- uh, our second conference rolled around, which was SC two. I wasn't able to attend SC one, and you know, SC two at the time there was there was a significant cost to go. And I remember being like, Chris, I'm not really sure. That's kind of a lot of money. And he's like, Just trust me. Go, you won't regret it, and I think that says a lot about the job that he did, developing and building that trust and creating that relationship with me. Where I was like, "All right, if you say so, I'll do it." And I always kind of looked at the job. And that point as like, "Okay, it's great. I'm growing. I'm making good money. The flexibility is awesome." But I never really saw myself as like the a top performer or like the possibility of being one until I went to my first conference, which was SE two, and I saw Brian Jones get on stage. And he sold $40,000 of Cutco in two weeks. He was 19 years old at the time. He was making 50% commission of everything that he sold. And I just remember seeing this 19 year old make $20,000 in two weeks and sitting in my sales report was 6000 right after the c 2 question. I, I remember seeing that and thinking to myself, Dan, I'm like, man, I think I got more to give. I think I got more in the tank than, than maybe what I showed up as. And so I, I made a commitment to myself that, you know, I'm gonna at least really go all in on the next push and see what can happen. And it was really fascinating during this this time period, my parents ended up going through a divorce, like basically right after the SC2 push. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, I can respond to this one of two ways. I can either just like, you know, lick my wounds, just chalk it up as like, okay, I'm not gonna have a good push or I can I can use it as an opportunity to, to really step into my power and grow. Um, So the next push was our like conference of champions push. It was shorter. It was like 10 days, but I ended up selling 11,000 and uh, being the number three rep there. And, and that was awesome. And, And after that experience, what it did for me was it really showed me that I, at any moment that I make a decision, I can perform at a high level as long as I commit and put in the work. And that was probably one of the most transformative times in my life is going through that. That's cool. It's just amazing. How
1: many times uh, we hear people describe a push period as a transformative moment in their life, whether it was their own achievement or what they saw the exposure to somebody else. It just, uh, there's so many cool things about being a vector rep that are revealed to us that help people see things bigger in life. And shout out to Brian Jones for being the guy that got the job done at that push that inspired you to, to big things and realizing that, you know, just with a decision. You can make anything happen that you want to make happen. So I know that you went on to branch four times. This has to be the company record for branch managerdom, Josh, four times. Tell us about those experiences and what kept you coming back.
0: Thank you for that. Man, do I love the branch manager opportunity. So much so I did four times, obviously. But uh, I'll always go back to my first year as a branch manager. And just for a little bit of context... At the time, the state of Wisconsin. I was going out at a time when there was a lot of competition for territories and stuff. So I was brand new. I didn't really. I didn't have a whole lot in startup. So I went to the Upper Peninsula of Wisconsin in a a small town called Rice Lake. It was basically Main Street was my office and the post office. (laughs) But I, I I loved it, and I remember going into that experience just so excited. To give people the opportunity that I had just experienced and and give people the growth that I had. So I was pretty adamant on like, hey, I want a big tent, right? I'm not just looking for, you know, people here or there. I want as many people that I can work with as possible. And some highlights of that summer, we didn't have the biggest team, but our team was mighty. At one point, so Rice Lake, a little background. That year, they had elected the youngest mayor in the history of the state of Wisconsin. He was 18 years old. The town elected an 18-year-old mayor. What? And, uh, yeah, yeah. Next thing you know, Dan, this guy's sitting across from me in my office. I'm like, so you know, what have you accomplished? Why should I offer you a position? He's like, well, I'm the youngest mayor in the history of Wisconsin. And you know what? <laughs> and then next thing you know, he's in training, and he was representatives. <laughs> and like I said, it was a small team, but it was. A motley crew that I would not change for the world. You know, that I think about the different experiences that not only I was able to give them, but they were able to give me that summer. You know, one of which was David Hogan. I just turned 31. And David, when he first started, he was in his like early 30s. I wasn't sure if he's 31, 32. But David, you know, he'd kind of had like some odd jobs here and there. And he started selling Cutco. And I remember. All of a sudden, like I was his mentor, as you know, at the ripe old age of nineteen, he's like, "Hey, can I get some life advice on this or that?" And that experience really helped me grow. Unfortunately, in the summer, David lost his life in, in a tragic car accident, and I remember calling his mom and just offering my condolences. And there's one thing that she said to me that you asked, like, "Hey, what what kept you coming back?" He only worked with us for about a month, just for some context. But she said I would never seen him so happy in his life over the last four weeks than he was then. And she thanked me for all the gifts that I had given him. And man, that one hit home. That mm-hmm. one hit home a lot. And I haven't really told anyone that, like this story, but I remember calling Greg and just, "Hey, I'm kind of in a tough spot, like emotionally. This isn't really never happened. Like I'm, I'm not really sure what to do." And Greg was just great at kind of consoling me. And then to this day, I don't know who did it, but somebody at Vector sent the family just a beautiful flower arrangement. She like called me after the funeral. She's, I don't know. She's like, thank you guys so much for you know, your card and, and gifts. And I think that just says so much about the company that we work for. That's powerful.
1: Really amazing. So this inspired you to continue branching each summer. And, and then I know ultimately the fourth time was shortly after you had graduated college,
0: and you were number
1: three in the nation, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So to like turn things, what kept me coming back, and why did I decide to make that leap? I think you know the the number one thing was the people, the people that I was working with, the level of contribution I was able to give, and then also the relationships that I was getting in return, the value I was getting in return. I was learning so much from my mentors. I think uh, it's kind of a an interesting time to talk about like, hey, why would you work at a company for 13 years? Or why, why do you keep coming back? Especially in the market that we're in right now, 4 million people just left their jobs. And probably every company is asking that question right now. And when I think about if there's one thread that you can weave between everything, you know, it was I felt appreciated. I was recognized. I feel like my mentors and managers went out of their way to build a relationship with me. And let me know that I mattered and that I was contributing to something bigger than myself.
1: Amazing. There's so many great lessons just couched in what you just said right there for leaders, whether in vector or out of vector, about how you are making the people in your organization feel. Recognition, appreciation, that they matter to you, that they matter to the team, and you know that they're contributing to something that's bigger than just them. These are all great insights that uh, the people can definitely take home and and learn from. What made the difference between your first few branches and then the extremely great result of your fourth one?
0: It's a great question, Dan. One of which was I really took partnering with my DVM to another level. So every winter break, I would go and really mentor underneath Greg. I would pilot for him during those times. In fact, there was a stint where I was a pilot in between my third and fourth branch. And what that experience as a pilot manager taught me was really how to scale the business. I was just thinking about it in terms of like very minor results. And I was comparing myself to like other branches kind of in my category, or you know, maybe their first or second year branch. But then after working with Greg and really partnering with my division manager, then I kind of saw, hey, this is what the business should look like. This is what it can do if you put in the work and invest in in the people in it.
1: And is this what led you to want to be a DM after that uh, that fourth branch?
0: Yeah. And so it, you went
1: back to work with Greg for a little while after the branch, and then you reopened in 2015 as a district manager. Is that correct? Correct. And so I understand now that you really struggled when you opened as a district manager, that your first eight months of 2015 were not a success, but then something happened. And in 2016, not only did he turn that around, but you won the silver cup as the top first full year manager in the whole company. Explain how that process happens right there.
0: Yes. Well, I think number one, going into 2015, it was you know a textbook lesson in, in hubris. I was like, 2014, man, I got this. You're number three. In fact, I already had this silver cup lined up in 2015 in my mind once I opened, I'm like, man, we're going to win a silver cup. And then next thing you know, I didn't even hit the trip. And I remember feeling just so like beat down, like, man, am I even good at this thing anymore? And a couple signature events happened in my life in 2015 that really opened my eyes and kind of righted the ship. Number one is I met my now wife, then girlfriend. <laughs> and I was like, all right, nobody wants to like She's amazing, and uh, I was like, if if I know, like, if if I want to spend the rest of my life with her, I know I'm going to need a, you know, no one wants to like date a loser, right? So, <laughs> I was like, man, I got to make sure that I'm performing at a high level and really growing myself. And uh, not that I was loser, but my results at the time, I knew I had more effort to give. I knew I could pour in more. So, like, yeah, I guess I understand that you're not your results. But then I met a gentleman named Dalton Summer. And Dalton was really one of the first people that he was a pillar that I could build around. And I met him with him in October. I partnered with him. Then the very next month, in November, there was two other gentlemen that changed my life, and that was Carlos Shoemaker and Steven Zhang. Again, we were struggling in September. We were struggling in October. We were struggling in November. And then these two guys walk in my door. They were actually an on on-campus. Uh, both of them went to. A, on campus apps, they're from a little town called Coal City, which has one stoplight. It's an hour away from my office, right? Very just like blue collar, and uh, they went to a, like a local community college. And we had a table. I met with them. I was like, "Why don't you guys come into the office, an hour away?" Like, sure. That training class ended up producing 1.2 million dollars in sales. Oh, yeah. So for for those of you that like maybe are newer managers. What, one thing I tell everyone that I, I'm privileged enough to, to work with in Skyway is you're always closer than you think. You're always closer than you think. You're always three feet from gold. And as long as you just keep working, you will get quote unquote lucky. Hmm. And uh, those guys, I love them. I look back at my career and there's really five individuals that shaped it. And I'll, I'm going to talk about them later, but Lucky Odiasi, Chaz Brown, Carlos Dalton, and Steven. But I look at that moment and had I known five years ago that this was going to be the training class that changed everything, I'm really glad I gave it my all. I, I didn't just mail it in at a November training class. I gave it everything I had.
1: This concept that you're always closer than you think is such a great insight. I can remember way back when I was relatively new rep, Don Frida the original founder of Vector Marketing, he would tell this story. And it was actually a true story about a gold miner. And I've actually looked this up. It was in Colorado. And the miner, you know, it bought a stake to claim and mined for the gold and continued to mine for a, a long period of time. And then finally gave up and sold the claim to somebody else, to basically took it from there. What the original gold miner didn't realize was that they were actually within a few feet of what turned out to be at the time the richest gold strike in the history of Colorado. And they were that close, but they just didn't know. We've seen memes like this on Facebook now where you see one guy like turning back, you know, with his head down and his pickaxe on his shoulder, right? And the gold's right behind the dirt, right? And the other guy's still digging. But this is like a great idea for people to keep in mind. And wherever you're at, to realize that oftentimes success is just around one more corner. It's just one more well-executed effort. And that's why it's important to bring our best to every interaction. Right? Had you mailed in that training class and you said, Oh, I don't feel like doing this today. I'm going to delegate it. Or I'm not going to do it. I'm going to cancel or something. That would have changed your life. It would have literally changed your entire life.
0: Dan, I think uh, you could see me right now. I have massive goosebumps, because I think about that. Had I just made that one decision, how different my life would look right now. I don't even know if I would be married to my wife. I certainly don't think I'd be promoted. So yeah, yeah I'm, very, I'm very grateful I, I did in that, uh, in, that, in that time. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. You mentioned some of these
1: people that uh, you've had a chance to influence in your organization. And we certainly can talk about them a little bit more as we go along here. But how about from the other side of the coin, who have been the most influential people in your development?
0: I have to start with my original district manager, Chris Nakou. He's not only been a mentor to me, he's been a friend. He was in my wedding party. He's somebody that to this day, whenever I just need to bounce an idea off of, he's always one phone call away whenever I need to pick me up. Whenever I need somebody to gas me up, Chris Nakou is the guy. He taught me so much. He taught me not only just the basics of the business, but to execute them at a high level. He taught me how to have fun right, and keep things fun, but also professional, but really to have an energy that draws people in. And then the biggest thing that Chris did for me is he was a connector. Chris was masterful at making sure that I was aligned and I was meeting top people. Every conference that we were at, every time we were around people, he's you know introducing me to somebody like Bruce Goodman or, or at the time our region manager, Dave Durand, or on company trips, it just turns out that Chris was best friends with all the DVMs, and and, you know, Dane at the time was his his best friend. So they all kind of hung out together. And I don't know if I was invited to half the stuff, but I just called Chris, like, "Hey, can I just come hang out? (laughs) Can I stick around?" And uh, just through a matter of time, I got to. That's how I got to develop relationships with people like Dane Espigard, Justin Donald, Mike Muriel, Phil Bolander, Greg Strine. And it it was all through Chris. And without Chris, I would not have any of that. Mm, That's a nice shout out. Yeah. And and, you know, also too, like I mentioned some of the other division managers. Then there's also Greg Shrine. You know, what Greg taught me to do more than anything else is really how to care for people, but also how to analyze the business, even in the margins. Right. So, you know, Vector Live for me wasn't really a thing until I started working with Greg. And he's like, hey, let's look at. You know, how can we shift one thing just a little bit that will create massive waves on the back end and like looking at efficiencies and just really becoming a master of the craft and analyzing the numbers. That's what I took away from Greg. And then Mike Muriel, I love that guy. He's somebody that when I think about role models and whom I aspire to be, Mike is that individual. And not only does he treat people well and with respect, but he sees people not as the CPO that they're producing, but who they are as an individual and also what they're capable of. I, I remember in 2015, when I was really struggling, he reached out and was like, Hey, do you want to come to a concert? It was a Rolling Stones concert, but he was like, Hey, do you want to come to a Rolling Stones concert with me? And I was just like, We're like the worst office in the region right now. And I think about that one moment. And you know, Bruce mentioned it, people first. So like you're people over everything. And that really like shows me that we don't just say it, we also live it. And he also taught me how to drive to results, but do it in a way that doesn't put the person last, right? Yeah.
1: Those are some, uh, some nice tributes to those guys right there. So great to hear you uh, have had such powerful role models in your life, like Mike and, and Greg and Chris. Tell us about some other highlights of your career since, since uh, 2016 and, or any transformational moments that stand out for you.
0: The one I have to talk about is the year that we won the silver cup. And, you know, I mentioned that it started with Dalton summer. Then we added some fuel to the fire with Carlos and Steven. And when I think back to like those 18 months, we caught lightning in a bottle. The energy was electric and Chaz Brown. Then he started Chaz ended up recommending a guy named Lucky Odiasi. That guy is, if you're going to get a chance to meet him, but He is just an amazing individual to work with. And we had this group of people where everyone was working together for one common goal. And that was to win the Silver Cup. Nothing else mattered. The only thing that mattered was winning the Silver Cup. And so we had like chance, we talked about in the interview and training. We had, it was just a a really special, a really special moment. It, It brings me to like the very deadline, the cutoff. It was the last day to count. We had just finished day one of training for the big dance. And we found out that we were about $1,000 behind the next office for the Silver Cup. At the time, it was Carla McHale. And what this group of individuals did, they were not only doing PDI, it was just a long day, it was the day after Christmas. And what they did was they hit the phones and they started calling past customers to win the cup. They stayed till midnight. I'll never forget Chaz Brown on the phone with the customer at like 1130 at night, closing them on a pair of super shares. (laughs) He was like, he was like, Mrs. Jones, by getting this, you will make every college kid's dream come true. (laughs) You gotta get it. Like it's 119 today. You gotta get it. He sold it. Like he got it. I, I just never been so proud of a group of people in my life. And to this day, I look back on that and that's why I do what I do, right? Just the relationships that were built, the people that came together, the atmosphere that was created, it really was special. And some other favorite like memories or moments that I've had as a district manager, one is again, not just seeing people as where they are, but where they can be and seeing the best in people. And I think of somebody like Lucky Odiasi, when Lucky first started, Anyone will say, Lucky's a goofy guy. He's the happiest guy you'll ever meet. But when he first came in, he didn't have a car. Like he knew Chaz, he was a basketball player. And but he worked harder than everyone else. And I remember meeting with him for our SE two push. And he's like, I want to win a rock. I want to sell 12,500. And immediately I went to it's like, well, that's going to be hard, Lucky. Like, you don't have a car. We didn't have a virtual demo at the time. It's like, that's going to be really challenging. He's like, I know I can do it. It's like, all right, I'm going to support you. He walked to every single demo. There was one time he Snapchatted me on the highway with his blue bag, walking to a demo. And I remember being like, first, get off the highway. (laughs) Second, (laughs) second, I'm really proud of you, your effort, right? And uh, he did it. He sold 12,500. And and when I think about why I became a district manager, it's for moments like that, where I get to experience other people just blowing away self-limiting beliefs and achieving great things. And, you know, I sure I get to help it and move it along, but also just to be a witness to it, I find really inspiring.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Great to hear. It's always cool the stories that we have as leaders of uh, the people that come into our organization and what they do. And it's uh, in the end, Josh, as I'm sure you've already probably begun to realize, it's those stories that wind up being so much more meaningful than the trophies we win. And even the silver cup, like if, if Carly Michaelis's office had caught lightning in a bottle that week and beat you, you would still have had all those same stories of striving and fighting down to the finish line. And even if you had lost. And so it's all about the people and the effort and the process. Those are all uh, so much more important a lot of times than just the, the end result that comes out. So it's great to hear. You talked about Chris Naku being somebody who balances professionalism and fun. And Josh, you are also exactly that person. I think that everybody that I've asked about you says something along those lines. How do you do that in your business and in your life? How do you balance being a professional, but also having a great time and not taking yourself too seriously?
0: I think the biggest thing is just thinking about there's times that people ask a lot of, of us as leaders, but there's also times that we ask a lot of them. And to try and find that mix of not just being friendly or there to like entertain or have fun with people, but also to lead them. And I've found that if I can do my best to marry the two, not always, I tend to get the best result. And I really modeled that from Chris. So just doing fun things like, spending some time getting to know people. Uh, I remember the first time he brought me over to his house and we played lawn golf. You basically just throw these, (laughs) this is the dumbest game, ever. (laughs) but you just throw these like two golf balls with a string attached to them and trying to hook it on a ladder. And, but I remember thinking like, wow, this is so cool. And uh, (laughs) so a lot of it is trying to take what I experienced and give it to other people, whether it's one-on-one time taking somebody to a bears game or even something as silly as uh, before every SC2, we always have a giant Nerf gun fight because we're like, it's the main event. So everyone comes in with Nerf guns. We kind of transform the office into, uh, if you remember that one show on Nickelodeon, like gladiators, or they have like the t- <laughs> kind of do something similar to that. And, but I think about what draws people in and attracts them. It's not just the paycheck. It's not just the work that they do, but it's also like, hey, am I having fun here? And uh, that's something that I really... I try and model as much as possible.
1: Yeah. I love that you pointed out that that's what really draws people in and keeps them around. Right? Is that not just that we're succeeding, but that we're enjoying what we do. And it is so important to put that enjoyment into our work while also succeeding. Right? And there has to be that balance because enjoyment fades if you're sucking at something. So we have to lead, as you said, we're here to lead and help people To succeed and do well. But uh, finding ways of making it fun and enjoying the process is really key. Josh, in asking people about your strengths, I've heard your great listening skills mentioned several times. Where do you feel that strength developed in your life? And how do you practice good listening?
0: I think where I developed it the most was selling Cutco. I think back to what makes a successful sales representative it's not the one that just talks all the time. It's, it's listening to your customers' concerns, getting to know them, finding out what their hot buttons are, what their interests are, building a relationship with them. And from everything I know about relationships, it's never just a one-way street, right? It's kind of a give and take. And that's something that I really embraced when I first started selling Cuckoo. The whole idea of don't be interesting, be more interested. And if you do that, everything else kind of comes in line. And then as I like progressed with the company, I obviously got better. I do have to give a shout out to my stepmom, Sue. She introduced me to a phrase that I think also transformed my life. And that's just the whole concept of tell me more. When I ask somebody a question and they respond, it's like, hey, tell me more about that. And over time, I've found that the more in-depth questions that I can ask without crying to just kind of open people up the better. So like one of my favorite questions to ask people is just what they're passionate about. You know, what's important to them, what matters. And then then I always kind of dig a little bit deeper. And I found that as you peel back the layers, you find something that can connect you to that other individual. You know, Mike always says this, but you know, the more that time that he spends with somebody, the more that he likes them. And I found that has been so true. Another thing, Dan, is you know, when I think about crucial conversations, right? So I feel like most people don't really recognize how much you listen until it really matters. And we're in that crucial conversation moment. And one thing that I've found challenging, but I always try and do is just not think about what I'm going to say while the other person's speaking. But really sit, listen. I like to take notes on stuff. And then I'll repeat those back to them. So you're telling me this, this, and this. Is that right? And then after that, I'm really clear with them what my agenda is too. I like to be transparent. Hey, just so you know, this is the angle <laughs> that I'm, I'm going to take with you. I don't want you... You can take it however you'd like, but this is, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. And uh, I, I really learned that from you, Dan. You know, there was a time when you came to Chicago and uh, you gave a message in our Oakbrook office. I'm not sure if you remember, but you, you had a line that has always resonated with me and stuck with me. And and here's what it was, is you can win the argument, but lose the person. Mm. And I try and always, I always have that in my head anytime I'm going into a crucial conversation.
1: Mm, Yeah, that's powerful. Thank you for remembering. That was something that I shared with you back in the day. Just when I think about this whole idea of listening, the quote that has always resonated for me comes from Stephen Covey, way back in the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, where he says, you listen with the intent to understand, not with the intent to respond. And I think that oftentimes people are listening with the intent to respond, right? We're constructing our answer, our rebuttal, our way of expounding, or whatever it is we're going to do while the person is talking versus listening with the intent to truly understand the person and make them feel heard. And I love that tell me more phrase that you got from your stepmom. Like That's a great one that people can definitely use right away in their interactions that can lead to greater understanding, greater connection with the people who they're communicating with. And this whole aspect of listening just definitely one of the key, most important concepts of leadership. Good stuff, Josh. Thank you, Dan. Yeah. What does the future hold for the Skyway Division?
0: Well, the future is bright, and uh, I've never been so excited about a group of individuals. So, you know, I mentioned before like some of the experiences that I had as a district manager and and working with a team where there wasn't ego. It's just everyone was pulling kind of from the same end of the rope. And I see that with our district managers currently, and then also our young, up and coming new district manager promotions. There's really no ego. Everyone wants the best for their people, but also for the division. So when I think about what do I want to create in Skyway, the first thing is I want an atmosphere and a culture where people feel like they can be authentically themselves. There's a safe place for dialogue, but also a place that's going to inspire them to become the best, best versions of them, whatever that may look like. And full disclosure, I have also stolen the central region's uh, noble cause, which is to live the life of our dreams and inspire others to do the same. And when I think about the future Skyway, I look at it as the dream machine, right? Shout out to Dana (laughs) Sicar. But somewhere that people can use it as a vehicle and a platform to achieve the things they want in life that they can't get anywhere else, or it might not be easy to find anywhere else. Yeah. That
1: was great so to live the life of our dreams and inspire others to do the same. I love that. That uh, really captures the essence of what we do here at Vector, and and really dovetails with the the podcast theme of changing lives. Right, like we're we're giving people a chance to see a vision of what life could be like through role models, through promotion, through introductions to others. Right, that uh, association with successful people. And uh, and we're inspiring them to establish the same kind of habits and actions in their life that can help them to have uh, all of what they want. So it's cool. It's great to see that you've been doing that now for 13 years here at Vector. It's been a great ride. And I'm sure it's going to be even greater in the future. What are you most excited about personally, Josh?
0: Well, I'm freshly married, newly married. So I'm most excited that I'm still married.
1: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) congratulations
0: yeah yeah, thank you no things are going great i mean personally i'm just really excited to enter this new chapter with my amazing wife courtney our families are growing we're all getting to know each other really well and uh yeah so i'm excited to enter this new journey together
1: yeah i can remember meeting courtney back in the very early days of your guys relationship out there when i came out to chicago for an event and i definitely was very impressed with her and just uh, you know who she was. And so it's great to see that that relationship has blossomed over the years and uh, turned into something great for you. So congrats on that. That's awesome. Thank you, Dan. And, yeah. And hey, thanks a lot for being part of the podcast today, Josh. This was great. Thank you for having me. That was Josh Dix, everybody. So much great stuff in there and uh, really valuable lessons. Starting with Josh's point that when he came into Vector, it was his first exposure to the concept of personal growth. And previous to that, it wasn't something that was talked about in his circles. And that is definitely one of the most powerful reasons for being in a place like Vector is the influence of those who we are around. Subconsciously, we gradually adopt many of the same habits and belief systems of the people that we spend the most time around. And that's why it's so important to associate with positive, successful, ambitious, motivated people. I have a great episode with John Levy about the art of influence and the power of our network. And I really want to encourage you to check it out. It's one of the original early episodes, number 36. If you want to consume just pieces of it, there's a flashback Friday, episode number 231 on this subject of Influence and our network. Check that out. Josh was lucky to be influenced by great people like Chris Naku, Greg Strine, Mike Muriel, and others in his early career. And they have helped him to develop into the kind of leader that can develop many other great leaders. There were a couple concepts Josh shared about you are not your results, and you're always closer than you think to what it is that you want. Those two concepts really tie together particularly during times of struggle, because often if we're the kinds of people who are working on ourselves, we're destined for success. We're moving towards success. We're gonna attract the things we want into our life. And a lot of times it just takes a small refinement, in effort, a small change in a habit to be able to get that success. And to keep in mind that uh, if results are not where you want them to be, that that doesn't have to define you. And that oftentimes it is just one small thing that can make the difference. Josh is great at listening, the idea of being interested, not interesting, tell me more about that, being willing to have crucial conversations with people and spend one-on-one time with people to make them feel heard and connected with you. Such great things that create a followership for you as a leader. You can tell also that Josh really loves his people. And that whole concept of leading with love is something that we've also heard quite a few times on the podcast. I think back to Kate Vassy, episode 53, who shared this concept of leading with love. And I just want to say that we took Kate's original episode and condensed it into a flashback Friday on this topic of leading with love. And I think it's awesome. I just feel like it's one of the better flashback Fridays if you want to check it out. It's episode number 276. And so check that out. It's a very recent one. Love the theme Josh has, Central Region theme, to live the life of our dreams and inspire others to do the same. Take that one as the final word here for today. Thanks for listening to this episode with Josh Dix. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals.